this earth is ended. Will you hear the sound of his amazing grace as he says to you, well done, enter into the joy of your Lord. Will that be you? If not, it can be. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. The door of your heart, he's knocking. Would you let him in today? Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. And the title of this morning's message is The Sound of Silence and Fury. In the early 1600s, William Shakespeare wrote a play titled Macbeth. And in that play, Macbeth was given a prophecy by three witches that he would be king. And so, because of that political ambition that was spurred by this prophecy that he got from these witches, he kills the king to try to take the throne, seeming to want to have control. And over the course of the story, he has to commit more heinous acts and more violent acts to remain in power. After a period of time, he finds himself in a state of depression and guilt and feeling that life was worthless, feeling that life was out of control. And he said these famous words, Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. You see, Macbeth felt that things were out of his control. Then in 1929, a Mississippi author, William Faulkner, used some of those same words in titling a novel that he wrote in 1929. And the title of that novel was The Sound and the Fury. And that book focused on a wealthy Mississippi family who whose lives spun out of control. They lost the respect that they had in the small town of Jefferson, Mississippi. They lost their, their religious ties. They lost all of their finances. And basically, that family spun out of control. In 1964, Simon and Garfunkel released a song titled The Sound of Silence. And when asked, what is the meaning of this song a few years later, Art Garfunkel said that it was basically describing the unintentional inability of people to communicate emotionally. That's a lot of words. But it basically expressed the feeling that connecting emotionally with each other was hard to do, and therefore people felt like it was out of their control. All these three works of art are based on the feeling that people are out of control. They don't have control in some way. And so as we continue in our study of Revelation this morning into these end times that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, there have been some times where we felt like it was out of control, where things were spinning out of control and nobody had control. But nothing could be further from the truth. God is on the throne and he is orchestrating every 
step of the way all along, even in this seven-year period, this great tribulation, after the church is raptured out, God is in control, in complete control, and nothing is out of his grasp. Nothing takes him by surprise, even though some of these things will take people by surprise, those who are left here, left behind after the rapture. Over the past two weeks, we've seen Jesus, the one and only one worthy found, worthy to take the scroll and open those seals. We studied as he opened the first of those seals. That first week we talked about God's Pony Express of Judgment. As he opened those first four seals and those first four horses and horsemen rode out, delivering judgment on the land. And then last week Jesus opened the fifth seal and the sixth seal. We saw two scenes in heaven and on earth, two groups of people in each place. We saw the slain martyrs in heaven crying out to God to Deliver, to deliver vengeance against those who have taken their lives. Basically to glorify yourself, they say, Lord. Take vengeance upon the earth. We saw the scared men on the earth who hid in the caves and in the rocks and cried out for the rocks to fall on them. Rather than crying out to the rock of ages in repentance, they cry out to the rocks of the earth in retreat. And then we saw that group of 144,000 sealed messengers, those that God put the seal in the name of his son and the name of himself on their foreheads. And they would be God's servants and they would deliver the gospel message to those that were alive here at that point of time on the earth. We saw that last group that saved multitude in heaven in the white robes. Those that had come through the great tribulation and made their robes white with the blood of the Lamb. It says it's a group from every nation and tribe and tongue. Six seals have been opened. There's one yet to go. The seventh seal. We're going to look at that this morning as we look into these things in chapter 8 of Revelation. As we open that seventh seal, Jesus opens that seventh seal. We're going to see the opening up of seven trumpet judgments. In the Bible, any time a trumpet was blown, it was a sign of an alarm. To let people know what was coming. And these seven trumpet judgments are more terrible than anything we've witnessed before so far up until this point in time. Now let's pray together as we begin. Father, speak to our hearts this morning, Lord, and just uh, help us to understand, understand these things. Father, in faith I receive an anointing of your Holy Spirit to preach the way I should. In Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. I want you to imagine with me this morning. I have done this before. Maybe some of you have when you're watching a ball game on television, especially when Jack Crystal was alive. I'd turn the TV on and watch the game, but I'd have, have it muted and be listening to Jack Crystal giving the play-by-play -play on the radio. That way you get the best of both worlds. So I want you to imagine this morning we're all huddled around the radio in our living room. And we've got the TV screen turned on, but we've got it muted. We're going to listen. We're going to hear the sounds that come out of that radio. We're going to be watching on the screen as things take place. And I want you to imagine with me that we're in the living room together, listening to the radio and watching the events unfold on the screen. As John narrates them for us. Up until this point, we've seen the praise and worship 
going on in heaven in chapters 4 and 5 and 7. Constant praise and adoration and worship and singing and voices coming from the throne. All this is, these sounds have been coming out of the radio. We've been seeing that in those previous chapters. And we've been seeing those voices crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. All this is going on. All this noise is going on. Organized noise. Organized praise. But then we get to chapter 8, verse 1. Let's read that together. When he opened the seventh seal, he being Jesus, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. All of this going on beforehand, and now we get the sound of silence. Sound of silence. Does silence have a sound? Does silence have a sound? It really does. But silence does have a feeling, doesn't it? It gets our attention, doesn't it? Silence sometimes has that thick, ominous feeling. You know, if you're listening to a radio broadcast and it goes silent, the longer that silence lingers, the more uncomfortable you feel. That's what I envision taking place here as we look into these things. As I thought about the sound of silence, I thought of two illustrations this week. We've probably all experienced at least one of these two. That nighttime summer thunderstorm and the rain and the wind howling and everything beating against the windows and then it, the thunder and the lightning and then it moves on and it gets off in the distance and you can't hear it anymore. You think it's over. Then the electricity goes off. And the house goes dark. The refrigerator doesn't run anymore. The air conditioning unit is not running anymore. The TV goes off. The radio goes off. All the noise that you used to hearing that you don't even really hear because it's all the time going on and it's off when the power goes off. And that's kind of what I imagine this to be like. All this noise going on in heaven, all this praise and worship and speaking and singing. And then there's a sound of silence when Jesus opens that seventh seal. Another illustration I thought about is when a hurricane's moving in from offshore. And the storm is raging and you see the people on TV, the Weather Channel guys hanging onto a street pole and they're sideways in the wind. And that outer band of that eye wall moves through and then there's calm and silence. And so that's kind of what I thought about when I thought about this sound of silence that's taking place. At this moment in time, probably for the first time ever, there's silence in heaven. You think about it, all the way from eternity past, there's always been praise and worship going on. But now it's a deathly still. No noise. Nothing coming out of that radio. Sometimes silence is golden, isn't it? I remember when the kids were little, sometimes they'd get to jabbering in the back seat and it would get louder and louder. And my go-to phrase was, girls, it's time to practice silence. And they quiet down for a little bit. 
we were at an event Wednesday night with a bunch of kids and Renee looked at me, she said, are you gonna stay in here with the kids or are you gonna go in there with the adults? And she looked around and I was gone. <laughs> silence can be golden. You know, the, the Bible says, uh, talks about a few of the benefits of silence. There's a couple of verses in Proverbs I wanna bring to your attention. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 28. Proverbs 17 and verse 28. Speaking of silence, it says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent. Basically, you can be a fool, the Bible says, but if you just don't speak up, people think you're wiser than you really are. If you just keep your mouth closed. Proverbs 10 and verse 19 says, sin is not ended with, by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. In other words, a good way to stay out of trouble, keep your mouth closed. That's some good rules to live by but what is this silence in heaven all about what is this silence that we this moment of silence this sound of silence after all this commotion is going on what does this mean what's it all about in the book of habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20 habakkuk says these words the lord is in his holy temple let all the earth be silent before him i believe this silence in heaven is a calm before the storm it's that awe and that reverence when all the occupants of heaven are collectively holding their breath and reverence of God and in anticipation of what is to come. Anticipating those severe judgments that he's about to unleash on the earth. Here on earth, you know, we oftentimes will be called to give a moment of silence for something after a tra tragic event. We saw that with 9-11 and some of the other tragedies that have happened over our lifetime where we have to pause and give a moment of silence. And we do that before the, or after the event happens because we don't know when it's going to happen. But in heaven, this moment of silence, this sound of silence they're giving is, is, is reversed. They're giving it before the tragedy because they know what's coming. They know what's about to take place. Heaven knows the tragedy that's about to strike. During that half hour of silence, there's some other things going on. Remember, we're watching it on the screen. We've got the, there's no sound coming out of the radio. But we're watching it on the screen. And John describes the scene for us here in verses 2 through 4. He writes, I saw seven angels who stand before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. There's these seven angels who are standing before God. And they're given seven trumpets. And we're watching this play out on the screen with no sound. It's like a silent movie. And then another angel was given a censer. Now a censer is just a little, little vessel, a little pot hanging by a chain. I was in a, a wedding one time. I was a groomsman in a wedding. A buddy of mine got married to a lady that was Greek Orthodox. And we were in this Greek Orthodox wedding. And the priest took a little censer. And I didn't know what it was called at the time. I called it a smoke pot. <laughs> he lit some incense in the little censer. And he went around the altar shaking. And then smoke came out and went on up into the ceiling of the cathedral we were in but this this 
incense burning, these, the smoke of this incense represents the prayers of God's people. Notice the angel takes the fire from the bronze altar. You know, in the temple there were two altars. There, were the bronze, there was the, the, the bronze altar where the sacrifices were burned and blood was shed. And then there was the golden altar, the altar of incense that stood before the, the holy place there, stood in the holy place. So the priest would go to that bronze altar first to make the sacrifice. And then he could go to the golden offer, altar and, and offer intercessory prayers up to God. And that's kind of what we're seeing a picture of here. This angel takes that fire from that bronze altar and he places it in the golden censer. And he uses that incense to represent the prayers of the saints rising up to God. Think about every time you and I have prayed in our lifetime and all those who are God's people in their lifetime who have prayed to God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God's about to answer those prayers. And that's what's represented here by the smoke of this incense. Notice also he takes the, the burning coals from that bronze altar. And he uses that as a vehicle to launch the prayers to God. That bronze altar you see is a picture of the cross. It's a picture of Jesus. It's an altar of sacrifice. The cross on which Jesus shed his blood. And when you, we know that Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me in John 14 and verse 6. So it's only through Jesus' sacrifice of himself on the cross that you and I can have our prayers lifted up to God and be heard. We must first come to that altar of sacrifice before we can go to the altar of incense. And we come to that altar of sacrifice through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only through him that we can have access to God. Up until this point, from the time that seventh seal was opened, until now, there's been silence for the span of about 30 minutes, half an hour, the Bible says. But then in verse 5, the scene changes. Verse 5 says this, Then the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. We move from the sound of silence to the sound of fury. God's fury, God's wrath about to be poured out again on the earth. The angel takes some of those burning coals from that altar of sacrifice and he hurls them to the earth. And it's like fireworks going off with lightning and thunder, flashes of light. Notice this same altar, this altar that he took the coals from to burn the incense is that same altar that he gets the fire and flings judgment down to the earth with. I think what God is saying here to us, we're going to have to deal with the cross of Jesus one way or the other. We're going to have to deal with the cross of Jesus Christ one way or the other. Either we come to him by faith and are brought into fellowship with the Lord, or we reject it and we face judgment and wrath. I think that's what is showing us there in that verse 5. You see, the gospel message is a double-edged sword. It either convicts you, brings you to repentance, or it'll condemn you if you choose to reject it. 
And so this, this sound of fury begins and we start to see these trumpets begin to be sounded. Listen to that radio as, as we hear that sound of fury coming out as John describes them to us. And we don't have time to go into all of these. We're going to read them through. I'll mention a few things about a couple of these trumpet judgments. But in the interest of time, we just don't have time to really dig in depth into all of them. But these trumpets go off like an air raid siren you, or a tornado siren that goes off when a storm is coming and gets your attention. Listen to it as we read there starting in verse 6. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. We'll pause there. It's a lot of sound of God's fury there. Those trumpet blasts going off like tornado sirens, air raid sirens, warning people of what's about to take place. And then this eagle flying high in the sky, hollering out in a loud voice, woe to the inhabitants of the earth for what is to come. We'll move on in verse 1 of chapter 9. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given a key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They'll long to die, but death will elude them. And most scholars say this fifth angel sounded his trumpet and it says, I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. Most scholars say this is a picture of Satan. Because you notice it says, he was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. That pronoun he. They say this is a picture of Satan given the key to open the bottomless pit. And the locusts that come out, scholars say, are the demons that have been in chains in the bottomless pit that will be unleashed upon the earth. Then it's interesting, I read 
said they tortured them for five months. Well, that five-month period of time is the length of time that a locust lives. That's the lifespan of a locust. So that's what scholars say this represents is, is Satan turning loose all the demons on the earth to torture mankind. We move on there. In verse 9 of that chapter, it's talking about the locusts there. We'll, we'll skip over some of that. It says, They had breastplates like the breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. And you can hear this sound of fury again as those things are unleashed upon the earth. And then skip on down to verse 13. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Most scholars say these angels here are fallen angels that have been bound. Because you notice a righteous angel, an angel that's in favor with God is not going to be bound. They're going to be in heaven. They're going to be serving God in heaven. So these are angels that have been bound. So they have to be evil angels, fallen angels. And he says, Release them. Those four that are bound at the great river Euphrates and those four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. You can imagine 200 million soldiers, horse-mounted soldiers. You can imagine the sound of that fury. 200 million soldiers riding horses. The thundering of those hooves. And after all this, all these horrific sounds and all this is unleashed upon the earth. And John is telling us about it on the radio. We're hearing all these sounds, hearing him narrate it. Listen to what he says in verse 20, chapter 9. After all these things take place, he says, The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see, hear, or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. What a pity. To have all this taking place, and he says they still did not repent. We've huddled around that radio, we've heard some pretty eye-catching things, ear-catching things. That first 30 minutes of silence when that seventh seal was opened and those seven angels were handed those seven trumpets in silence and the one who had the censer filled with the incense and he offered those prayers up to God and then hurled that judgment to earth. And then we sat back and listened as those trumpets have been sounded like air raid sirens, those alarms going off constantly, one right after the other in succession. All this has been disturbing to hear. It's been disturbing to read. It's almost as if things are out of control. But there's a third sound I think we need to hear this morning. And we sang about it before the message. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward, tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves. 
Jesus saves. That's the sound of salvation. That's the sound of good news to a lost and dying world, ripe for judgment. All throughout the gospel, Jesus said, He who has an ear, let him hear. And if you're here this morning, I want you to hear the joyful sound. Jesus Christ came to this earth, born to a virgin, the only begotten Son of God. He grew up to be a man tempted in all ways, the same as you and I. Yet without sin, he lived a sinless life. He was arrested, he was beaten, he was mocked. He suffered, he bled, he died for me and for you. And then he was buried in a borrowed tomb, rose from the dead on the third day, and he sits at God's right hand, interceding for you and for me. Romans chapter 9 and verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And once you've done that, your salvation is secure. And you don't have to go through all this that we've been reading about the last few weeks. You'll hear the sweetest sound you'll ever heard in your life when your life is ended, if you're in Christ. You'll hear the voice of the Savior say, well, do, well, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's the sweet sound of amazing grace that we'll sing about here in just a minute. So I have one question for you as I close this morning. When your life on this earth is ended, Will you hear the sound of his amazing grace as he says to you, well done. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Will that be you? If not, it can be. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. The door of your heart, he's knocking. Would you let him in today? Let's pray. Father, we're grateful that you made a way so that we can not have to be here to suffer all these judgments and all this wrath that you pour out on the earth in the end days. Help us to know for a fact that we're secure in you, secure in our salvation. If not, Lord, impress upon our hearts this day to make things right with you so that we can stand before you and hear that sweet sound. Enter into the joy of our Lord. Father, forgive us where we failed you. In Jesus' name we ask you. Amen.